All right. Well, hey, everybody. I'm James S. Aaron, and this is Marathon Author, my weekly author diary and podcast where I share progress I've made and lessons I've learned so that hopefully I can help you out. It's been one of those weeks that has just flown by. I feel like I just recorded the last podcast, and now it's already Wednesday of the next week. And while I definitely accomplish things, it's one of those deals where you just kind of blink and time has disappeared. It's already the 10th of February, 2021, and I just feel like time is disappearing on me. Um, This is going to be a relatively short podcast because one of the things I'm learning when you are mostly self-employed and you work at home and you have a toddler, if your (laughs) spouse gets sick, then guess what? You need to watch the toddler. And so it makes it pretty hard to get anything done during the day. And unfortunately my wife is not feeling well. Um, she had the, uh, the swab today and we'll find out, you know, what the status is on Friday. The symptoms are not pointing towards COVID right now. So we're not super worried about it, but she's not feeling good. And, you know, right now, at least in our area, if you have anything that is, you know, vaguely flu like, you're going to get swabbed and, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's, that's no fun, but basically we've just been dealing with that today. So, so yeah, it means that, um, basically I need to, uh, we'll get this recorded. We'll do the update and then I got to go in and go to sleep because I need to get up and work tomorrow morning so I can take care of early in the morning so I can then take care of, um, the baby during the day. So progress from last week, let's pull up. I, I actually did pretty well. And again, you know, I've been talking about live streaming every day. I have not been live streaming every day, but I've been live streaming and it's been helping me out a lot. Um, so let's take a look at our stats from, from last week. I had some, I had some pretty good days. So basically for the month of, as, as things have been progressing, let's look. My biggest day was actually yesterday, the 9th. Yeah. Uh, 4,145 words, Saturday, 1,927 words, Monday, 2,315 words. So I think, you know, today was not a great day just because everything was kind of thrown out of whack, but I'm at something like 23,000 so far for the month. Um, no, I'm at 28,000 for the month, which is really good for me. While I'm not exactly where I'd like to be, I'm still writing every day, getting words done every day. And last year there were definitely, you know, streaks where I was not writing every day. Um, and I'm just, again, kind of getting the, you know, the power of cumulative, just doing some work every single day. It adds up over time. And even when you have a not so great day, you pick it up and you've always got something, right? You did some kind of writing every day. So that was good. I also did an update to the the novel workbook, which hopefully should be live any day now. I I had added a table of contents originally, and I kind of realized that that was unnecessary. So took that out, added some brainstorming pages, rearranged some of the character sheets, and made added pages just to list characters. So if you have secondary or even just you know named characters, places to put those in the book. And then also some pages to do like your full, like 
80 scene or 80 chapters for the whole book, all of your beats, so that those could be in one place. Because I, as I was mapping out this second Vagabond Space book, I was using, uh, or I, when I start, I use note cards typically, and then I can rearrange those. And I realized I wanted someplace to capture all of that, so then I can distill it into the the general plot outlines and and then breaking down breaking it down by scenes. So so that was cool. I was happy to do that. And I also got a really nice review on the book, which uh, makes me feel good. So so that was awesome. Um, yeah. And otherwise, I wish I wish I kind of knew where the week went. <laughs> I I got some big word counts. I feel I feel good about that. It's been tough to get up. I tell you what. Like if I don't go to sleep by, you know. 10:30 at the latest it is very difficult to get up at 4:30 to be writing by 5 especially when it's been pretty cold here like we're going through a cold snap and so my office doesn't it's just got this janky you know oil heater so I get out here and it's it's warm like I leave it on but it's definitely not like you can see your breath and that's like working when you can see your breath <laughs> is not is not the most fun at least it's not my favorite so Otherwise, I think that was that was pretty much everything for the last week. So it feels good, but I definitely wish I could have done more to be on task with the goals that I've been I've been setting for myself. Other things, I I had applied for another position. Like I'm this is part of my ongoing hunt for the perfect part-time job that has the possibility of providing benefits for my family that is flexible would ideally pay more than minimum wage and, um, you know, basically allows my brain to be free so that I can think about writing while I'm doing it. Like I'm not opposed, certainly not opposed to doing a complicated job, but doing something that's like higher level work is like, I've been looking at a lot of jobs that like say for nonprofits where it's a part-time job, but you can tell that this is a full-time job that they're only providing part-time hours to like, there was one job I was looking at with a, a local agency, a nonprofit that their their main focus is actually working with kids, but they had what they it was a, a veterans court outreach. Like basically you were the the volunteer coordinator for people that would assist veterans going to court, like low income vets. And so you needed to know how to do the what the volunteers were doing and then develop training for the volunteers, you know find volunteers, train them, make sure they are where they need to be, those kind of things. And that sounded like a really cool job, but it only paid 20, like I shouldn't say only because compared to part-time jobs, like if you can get 20 bucks an hour with benefits in my area, you're doing pretty good. But it just felt like one of those jobs that this is going to be like require some brain space. And that's kind of not what I want. So I've still been, so I, I did not apply for that job, but I've still been doing FedEx and that's been, that's been good, but I've been driving more. And while that's a lot of fun, it's also slightly more complex. But the cool thing about FedEx is that basically every day, once you finish the work, the work is done. It doesn't follow you from day to day, you know, except I did make a mistake and not count one package that came off my truck. And so I had to go back (laughs) like the next day and find the package. And fortunately, you know, I found it. So that was all good. But that's the kind of thing that I think is ideal and it pays, it pays fine. And right now I'm doing what they call casual, which means I can say, I don't want to work if, you know, I tell them when I can work and I go in and work when I want to. Basically I would like to get at least 20 hours a week. 
um, cause that works out pretty well with my writing schedule and everything else. It's about, you know, four hours a day kind of thing, but I still just have been looking. And so I, another job had popped up that you might actually see in your area. Cause apparently the post office is doing this all over the place. They have what they're calling a, a PSE. And I've been studying all this stuff about the post office that I was not aware of. And when I left the army, I looked at the post office because they will count your federal service towards retirement, but you got to work for the post office. And <laughs> I wish there was better stuff online, like about the employee experience at the post office. Cause it just seems like they are not happy people. And I love postal work. Like, you know, every time I go to the post office, they, at least in my area, they are, seem to be doing the best they can do, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's tough. And anyway, they're kind of doing the same thing FedEx is doing. It seems like where they're hiring these positions that are on call, you know, the way they describe it, it's like they, they post it as a part-time position and then it's on call, you know, you need to be available for when they want you. And so I was thinking, all right, well, this sounds like a 20 hour a week job, but then fortunately there were some places online where people were asking questions about it and people who were in the position were talking about it. And it's crazy. The hours they're working, they're talking about feast or famine where they'll be doing six days a week as the norm, 12 hour days. And then it gets into this time of year and they'll cut hours down to like 15 hours a week. And that just sounds no bueno. So, so I don't know. I, the other weird thing is that I had applied, like the job was only open for two days. I applied and then I didn't get a phone call or anything. I just got three emails saying, congratulations, you are could be hired or you will be hired. And they wanted, they want me to do a background. I need to go get fingerprinted, all this stuff. And so I'm just kind of deciding if I really want to do this or not. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. Um, that's the, that's the ongoing quest. It's just, if you were thinking about like, yeah, if I have a, a full-time job and I would, you know, find a part-time job, spend the other hours writing, just be aware of, depending on your area, how difficult that might actually be. My, my area is not the greatest, like the greater metro area where I, where I live has probably just under 200,000 people in it. Um, but the, there's just not a lot of industry. Like there is a lot of retail, you know, if I wanted to go do retail, but I really don't want to work even, you know, I don't want to work nights. I don't want to work overnight, things like that. So admittedly I am being kind of picky, but it's, it's something that once I find the job that works, I would like to be there long-term. And so all things are kind of continuing to point towards FedEx. Um, I'll keep you posted on how that works out, but so far, knock on wood, it, it seems pretty good. So I don't know. Well, I'll keep working on that, but that was the main kind of update this week. I've, I've just been learning about all these, these weird jobs. You know, you look at indeed.com and they have an app and they'll even send you emails like, Hey, we found this job. And then if you don't do anything with it, they send you these nagging emails afterwards. Like, why didn't you apply for this job? Or why, Hey, this job is waiting for you. Blah, blah, blah. Like I kept getting emails about secret service positions in Washington, DC because of the law enforcement stuff that I've done. I'm like, no, I don't. That's the other thing is I want to stay where I am. That's part of what this whole, you know, process is about is, staying in our house and, you know, living where we live. I don't want to go move somewhere else and, and that, do that kind of thing. But I also don't want to work for the secret service. So <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's just a sketchy world out there. Trying to find a job is, 
sketchy. At least just a job that is a, a general skills, doesn't require a degree, isn't on a career track. The kind of thing I'd been used to before where you could look out there and and network and talk to people and see what's available. Now I'm basically just looking through the lists of things that are out there where you it, it's available for whoever could potentially do the job. And that just means there's, I think, a lot of people that are preying on folks that are kind of desperate for work, especially in the time that we're in right now. And so if you're trying to transition out of what your skill set had been and find something that could be part-time, that that could be a challenge. And I guess it's something I'd kind of lost sight of. I'd been fortunate when I left the Army, I found a job pretty quickly. And then even leaving, you know, most jobs that I, I've had, I've moved to a different job and it was just a kind of a move, a move up, you know, and, and like I've talked about before, like money is, we're doing, we're doing okay. We're just getting used to the ups and downs of not having steady income from writing. And so I would like to have some kind of source of steady income that is just something we can depend on a little better. I think for, for this play, for this time in our lives, you know, my wife is not working and we have a toddler and health insurance is important and we're probably not going to be doing a lot of traveling or going places like not immediately. I would like to have more steady income. So that's why I've been, you know, looking at this. So, so yeah, um, the post office probably is not the right answer, but it's been a, it's been a weird journey. It also doesn't seem like a good sign when you get an email from their HR, which is in another city telling you to call this number to set up an appointment to get fingerprinted. And if that number doesn't work, call this number and you call both those numbers and nobody answers. And one just rings and like goes to a, a blaring signal sound. That's, that doesn't seem like a good sign. <laughs> there's, there's definitely an onboarding process that a company should do, even if it's the post office to let people know that this is a dependable place to work. And granted the post office, we all know the post office has issues right now. I don't know if I need that extra stress in my life, but I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious what it's like. <laughs> so I will see. I'm yeah, I'll, I'll update you for, for next time. Otherwise, uh, progress on Vagabond Space 2 is going, going well. Like the overall story is really coming together for me and I'm, I'm getting to the midpoint in the book and that is pretty interesting. Like the story is just coming sort of faster than I expected. So I know there's going to be some places where I need to go back and flesh things out probably once I'm done with the, the whole, you know, all four books. But again, my plan with this was to write all four books. Book one is done, you know, two, three, and four, and then go back through the whole quartet or whatever you're going to call it. And, and then be able to, to fix all those things that whenever I've published a series before, like basically it was write book one and then put it up for sale. Now you've got 90 days to get book two out, book three, et cetera, et cetera. And inevitably you hit book three and you wish there are things that you had done in book one because cool stuff occurs to you, but you can't quite set it up because it just wasn't, you know, there's a lot of space in between outlines. Like, and that's something like no matter how detailed I try to outline, I still end up with these other little bits that are cool and character stuff that is cool and things you wish you could have foreshadowed or thought to foreshadow. But just this method of writing makes it difficult to be able to, to do that. So, um, so yeah, that I'm excited about it. But 
I'm also feeling the pressure every day of the number of words I need to, I need to get out. So today was a bust. I'm going to, I'm going to need to pick up the, pick up the pace for the rest of the month. In fact, looking at the fact that I got, I only got 600 words today. What does that put me at for the rest of my word counts? Um, using the handy right track, which I will talk about a little bit later. Um, yeah, that puts me at basically like 4,500 words a day. So that's a, that's a tough target. I'll be honest with you, but we'll keep, I'll keep doing my best. If I, I've found that if I write in the morning and I get to at least 3000 words, then it's much easier to hit that, that larger word count. If I don't do that, like if I sleep in a little bit and I only give myself an hour to write and I don't make that larger, you know, bulk of words in the morning, I'm not going to make that big word, word count. So I'm, I'm learning more about the rhythm of that as I go. So, okay. What did I want to talk about this podcast? I wanted to touch base on the tools that I've been using in 2021 to do the work that I'm doing. And I want to preface this with, I am not doing a lot of my own publishing. So right now I'm, I'm working with two publishers, Variant and Athon, all three publishers and Wooden Pen Press, uh, which is Mal Cooper. And so a lot of my work is actually in planning, in writing, in doing daily writing, organizing, that kind of thing. And then the stuff that goes into doing the podcast, doing the, the daily streaming and that kind of thing. So I thought I would just go through what software I've been using as well as some of the devices in writing all this down, I kind of realized that, uh, it's a lot of stuff. It's kind of more than I expected to, to be, <laughs> to have on the list. And when it comes to devices, like I probably, it probably could be pared down. It's just, some of it is I like gadgets and I like to try new things. And so I'll try something and then, you know, use it for a while, then stop using it. I often will buy things and then just sell them on eBay or whatever. Like my brother is the same way with cars. Like he'll buy a car and then <laughs> drive it for a while and just sell it. I do that with laptops and PCs and other gadgets and whatnot. <laughs> and so I'm always mostly breaking even or sometimes even making money with the various things that I, you know, pick up to use. But since we've been in this mode of not spending so much money, I've pretty much settled down into the things I have or the things I've been using. And I even just went through a deal where I, I tried a new laptop out that was a, a two-in-one because I was interested in doing some editing by hand using a stylus in Word because that's actually, Word has a really robust, Windows Ink is actually pretty good as far as being able to make hand notes and whatnot on documents. And so I bought an Acer Spin 3, which was neat, but kind of heavier than I liked, but I was getting used to it. And then it just died. And this <laughs> typically doesn't happen to me with electronics, but it just stopped powering on. And if it wasn't like, if I had had it longer than a week, I might've taken it apart and maybe unplugged the battery and plugged it back in or something, because it seemed like that might be the problem, but it was also refurbished and I got a good deal on it and it was within the return window. So I'm like, okay, that it send it back. <laughs> and so I went back to the, uh, the old laptop that I was using, but again, I'm jumping ahead of myself. So let's, let's go into the software and then I'll talk about some of the hardware. So most of the software that I have is all pretty much tied to the web, to man, like 
how am I doing research? How am I writing? How am I saving and organizing my writing, backing it up, things like that. And then other tools I use to support the business. So the biggest thing that I've done this year is, is transition mostly from Chrome to Firefox. And Firefox is a web, you know, Mozilla web browser. And I was really tied into Chrome. In fact, I was using Chromebooks for a while because I liked just being to open up the laptop and have it turn on. And I was using Chrome more and more as my password manager. And I went through a phase last year where I had, well, A, I lost a bunch of stuff that was in Google Drive, but then I also had a couple different passwords that were involved in hacking, you know, where basically the there's there's a website you can go to called Have I Been Pawned, which if you just Google that, it'll come up for you. But basically it tells you if your password has been, you know, appeared in any of these hacks, basically. And so I just realized it was time to, even though I was using a relatively complex password, if it gets hacked, it doesn't do any good, right? So I moved to using a password manager and Firefox has, both Firefox and Chrome have good password managers. Firefox was just, I liked the way that it worked. It makes it really easy to get the passwords out of it if you need to use those. And then part of my wanting to branch away from Google products was like, okay, let's start using Firefox. And so far it's been, it's been fine. I've used it on my phone and I use it on the various PCs, um, Mac, Linux, and, and PC. And I have not had any problems with it. It has not crashed on me. It's got a lot of new features as far as privacy goes, where if you want to, you can, you can basically set up a bunch of different containers for the different trackers that are online from Facebook to Google to things like that. And so I've got a bunch of ad block systems at my house on the, on the home network. And so Firefox works with a lot of those things. In fact, it's a little too good sometimes where I can't click on ads unless I allow the ads. So there'll be something I actually want to look at and I can't do it because Firefox and my network are blocking all of it. But, but Firefox has been good. And I think if you have been using Chrome, you might take a second look at Firefox and also Microsoft Edge, quite honestly, like they've, they've moved to being Chromium based, which is the open source version of Chrome, but Edge also has a really good password manager. And if you haven't looked at your passwords or, or if you've been using the same passwords across websites, like if you don't know what I'm talking about when I say a password manager, that's basically a, a separate third party program that usually has a plugin as part of your browser. So if you, it will save your passwords for you and it will also recommend passwords. So you don't even have to remember it. Like you remember one password to log in to the manager and then the rest of it, it handles for you. And so say you're making a new account, you would basically just right click on the password box and it will suggest a password. You can use that, it's saved to the browser and then it, it once you log into Firefox or log into the password manager, if you're using a different one, it you have that. And so the cool thing about Firefox actually is it, it will sync across all your devices. So if I update a password on my phone or on one of the other laptops or whatever, it's it's already updated for me. And so that that has been a really cool feature. So so I've been happy with it. I mean, I still use Chrome for some things. Like their remote desktop is good and I use it to log into um, a media PC that I have in the house. So I'm not going to say, you know, Chrome is terrible, Google is terrible. 
I've just been trying to diversify because I felt like I was all in with Google. And quite honestly, the longer things go on with Google, they just keep taking features away. And there's stuff like, like photos, you know, I had all my photo backup through Google and they had said that you would have unlimited photo backup for the longest time. And now of course that's going away. And I'm just really to the point where if I want something, I'm willing to pay for it and I want it to be available and not change. Right. And so I mean, I'm actually at a place with Firefox where, you know, I donated to the Mozilla foundation and if they had a monthly fee, like I would pay it because I want, I want software that I can depend on. That's going to continue working for me. And so that kind of gets to the next thing that I have been purchasing and using, which is, um, Microsoft office or office 365. And I had originally just, you know, it's $99 a year for like, I think a seven license family deal where you get office and OneDrive, And then I think you have up to something like five terabytes maybe for the whole, for all seven users. It's a lot. Um, but I've actually, since I've started using it, I've come to realize there are a lot of different deals out there where you can get it for less expensive if you just kind of like watch. And so I actually got it for, I extended this next year for $65 through Newegg. And that was a deal that they had going. So, but I've been transitioning a bunch of stuff to OneDrive. Like I'm using OneDrive for pretty much all of my backup. I still do save things in Google Drive, but not the bulk of files and things like that. And, and OneDrive has been working really well. Like I really like the, the fact that it's got office built into it. They, the web versions of, you know, like word and Excel, which are the two that I use for the most part are very robust and work really well on Linux. So if I want to like the laptop I use most of the time in the morning, so I'm just like surfing the net or whatever is a Linux laptop. So I'll use the web versions of OneDrive for that. And it's been working really well. I've been, I've been happy with it. It's, it's sync is a little finicky. Like I made the mistake of moving some files around on one PC and that just kind of screwed everything up. And so I had to sort of start over again. That has been a little weird, but it has not deleted anything that I didn't specifically ask it to delete. (laughs) And then it still hangs onto it for like 30 days. So even if you're worried something has disappeared, it's still in there if you need to go looking for it. So, so, so far that's been good. And I use word pretty much for all editing, drafting, for note catching, things like that. I'm using the word version, the, uh, the online version for a lot of it. And I just go to onedrive.com and then it's really easy to click. In fact, I made a shortcut in my Firefox window where I can just one click and, and boom, I've got a new word doc, which I used to have an extension for Chrome that would do that. And it stopped working, uh, which is probably my fault. I should have, you know, looked at new versions of that or whatever, but I ended up moving to Firefox. And so this has, has worked to change the workflow, but I've been, I've been really happy with office word has been all of the things that I used to do in Scrivener for the most part I can do in word and it's all captured for me in one place. I may go back to Scrivener at some point, but for the workflow I've been doing where everything needs to eventually end up in a word document anyway, this is working pretty well for me. So right now that's what I'm, that's what I'm using. So the workflow, the, so the other thing that I've been using a lot is for the words.com. And if you've checked in on my stream at all, you can see me using that when I, when I stream in the mornings and draft. And so what it's the number for the words. And basically it's an, 
it's a website or online service that kind of gamifies writing. And so it's like an RPG. There's a quest that you start on and everything is about word counts and how like writing for continuous periods of time to defeat little monsters that they've made. And so it's got a, a real, you know, a functional project management system where you can go in and set up, you know, a new project with chapters or sections and then, you know, documents within, within each of those. And, and it's been, it's been really useful. I've, um, sorry, I need to do, take a drink there. Um, I've really enjoyed using it. It just makes it fun. There is some wonkiness when you cut and paste from it into word or into anything else. You kind of end up with some, some weird spaces sometimes. And it also inserts these weird circles that kind of look like the degree symbol, but show up as a space. And I'm still not quite sure why the heck that happens. And it's, it's not something that is easy to search for. If you were just going to use like control, you know, control F and word to find it. So that's the only thing that's a little weird, but it doesn't happen all the time. And now that I know to look for it, I typically just look and then, and fix it. But so I'm doing most of my drafting in that and then cutting and pasting into word and within word, you can basically, if you use the different style settings and the navigation bar, you can make each of your chapters. If you give it a heading one or a heading two for the chapter title or number, well, then it appears in the navigation bar and it's really easy to drag things around and even delete using the navigation bar if you want to, or move it down to the bottom of the document like you would in Scrivener. And, and also if you wanted to make basically like a template for each of your novels, you can just have that template set up with the headers. And then all you got to do is insert your chapters in the middle and it's, it's ready to go. So been doing that. What I'm using within word to kind of assist with editing is pro writing aid. And I couldn't tell you that pro writing aid is any better than Grammarly. I feel like they're both very similar. I just happened to get a lifetime deal on pro writing aid and it does kind of what I want it to do, which is just sort of look over my shoulder when I'm editing, I'll just run it. And it's got a lot of different choices as far as things to highlight within the document, which can help me get another set of eyes on, on a word document when I'm working through for the editing. So so that's another thing I've been using. So forthewords.com to do the drafting, cutting and pasting into Word, Pro Writing Aid, which is a plugin, um, or also a website where you can you can paste text into the website, but I use it as a plugin in Word. And and another website that I use is called Write Track, and that's writetrack.davidsgale.com. I'll have a link. I, I've linked it many times in my show notes. But that's a website that helps you plan out projects and it helps set like daily word count goals and things that you need. So that's been that's been really useful. And those are the main tools that I use for the writing itself. I I guess if it comes to researching words and things like that, I will do that within Word a lot of the time because I don't want to go out of Word and, and end up on a website getting distracted and things like that. So I do most of that in Word or honestly, I just skip over it at this point and then come back to it in editing because I don't want to get out of flow with where I where I want to be with the project. So some other tools. I talked about OneDrive. Uh, the other thing I've been using is QuickBooks. And QuickBooks is 10 bucks a month. You know, it's an Intuit product that you can tie to your various accounts. If you're already using mint.com, 
it's very similar to that, but it's more, you know, it's just basically all about your business deductions. And so it helps you track, you know, income, expenses, you can prioritize or not prioritize, but categorize all of your expenses. You've got a really good running idea of where your profit and loss is at and what your quarterly taxes need to be. And I know there are, you know, Excel spreadsheets you can use to manage that for you. But so far, because this has been my first year, I've been using QuickBooks and it's been pretty easy. Like I just track various purchases and things like that, you know, daily actually. And I'll be able to tell you more once we get through tax season this year, if I categorize things correctly or, or what that looked like. I I honestly don't know if we're going to get over the standard deduction, but so far it's looking like, you know, hopefully I paid the right amount of taxes last year. We'll find out. But that's the other tool that I spend a lot of time in because, you know, as I harp on, I, I obsess about various things. So between Excel for my budget and just kind of mapping out financial things, that's I just use Excel for that. And I sometimes was using Excel for some plotting stuff, but I've, I've moved away from that and I basically just do it in Word, you know, or even in For the Words when I'm using the project section of For the Words. And that way I've got something I can refer back to. So other things, um, I have an Adobe photo plan, which for the Adobe create, I don't do the full creative suite. I just do the nine 99 thing, which gets you Photoshop and Lightroom, which I don't use Lightroom much, but I do use Photoshop quite often. And I had tried, so there's a couple different software suites that are out there. And, and probably the most well-known is affinity photo and they do sales every year where it's like a $50 program and you can get it for $20 or something. I tried that and I realized that I was spending more time trying to figure out how to do what I wanted to do in affinity photo, which it probably can do everything that Photoshop can do. It's just not in the same places. <laughs> um, so I ended up going back to Photoshop. And the thing about Photoshop is if, if I want to make a header graphic or if I want to do something like I can do it very quickly in Photoshop and I've been using it for years, I know how to do it. So I don't feel too terrible about spending that money every month, but it just, it does bug me because it's become a service, you know, that a subscription that you're going to pay for forever, I guess. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it just depends on what your needs are. Like, I think that's definitely sort of a higher level service. If you don't need it, you can definitely use Pixlr or Canva. There are a lot of, there are other services out there will, that will do the same things for you. I'm just, I know how to use Photoshop. So, uh, other program I use for recording these podcasts is Audacity, which is an open source sound management, sound recording, editing piece of software that's open source and it's available on Linux, Mac, and PC. And a lot of people find it pretty clunky and kind of old fashioned, but again, I know how to use it. It works, it's free. And so I, I use that. Um, for my email management, I'm using a, a service called MailJet. And I went through a couple different services last year. Like I had set up Sendy on my server using Amazon Web Services and Sendy, if you've looked at different, you know, I'd gone from MailChimp to, um, oh shoot, I'm blanking on the other, like really popular mail service, um, to, to Sendy. And with Sendy, you basically buy the program, install it on your server, and then set up an Amazon Web Services account. And the cool thing about Sendy is that it, it costs you like a penny, you know, to send one email blast. It's so cheap. 
but it also was not super dependable. <laughs> like it was having a lot of hiccups. It wasn't talking like playing well with my server and I was spending like, it already is a huge obstacle for me to write emails and send them, but to write the email, try and send it and then not have it work was another level of frustration that I didn't want to add to my lack of email marketing. So MailerLite is the other one that I had used. And MailerLite, actually, most of 2019, I was paying like 25 bucks a month for the the level that I had. And I was not using that, you know, $30 worth of service from them. So that's what led me down the path of trying to find other things. So I've landed with MailJet. And the way I found it was through Andrea Pearson and the Six Figure Author podcast. And so far, it's been it's been good. It's $10 a month for my service level. And it does all the things I need to do from segmentation to spam tracking. It Their open rates are, are good. And I have not had issues with being marked as spam from it. And so it's mailjet.com if you want to check it out. And they've got a free tier as well that you can try. But I'm doing the $10 a month, which I think will get you up to 5,000 email, address, email addresses, if not maybe 10,000. It's... It was pretty good. I haven't checked what their recent tiers are, but I haven't had any issues with their service. And their their email setup is a little, like it basically uses the same kind of drag and drop stuff that like WordPress uses, which is not my favorite, but once you have a template set up, it's pretty easy just to plug pictures and text in and then it's ready to go and you can send it. So that's the other piece of software that I've been using. And then the last thing that I bought this year was Sparko Cam, which when I talk about my camera that I use for streaming, um, this is a cool little piece of software that actually is kind of hard to find. But if you have a DSL, like if you want to make a stream or even a Zoom call look really good and you've got a DSLR, either a Nikon, it'll actually do any number of them, but the most, you know, of course, Nikon and Canon are the ones that are most popular. And they're a little tricky because they've got like three levels you can buy. You can buy the Canon version, the Nikon version, or it's like $100 for one that will do everything. And I, I didn't see myself buying a Nikon camera anytime in the future, and I've got a Canon, so I bought that. And it was like $60 for a program that kind of does one thing, but it does it really well. And I can't speak to Nikon cameras, but Canon, when you output from either the HDMI or the this use the cool thing about Sparkle Cam is it allows you to, to use USB to output the image from your camera. Um, but it if you were just to use the HDMI, the idea is that you're if you're a photographer, you're outputting that to a larger screen that you would then be using to take your photos, right? You're not using it to stream video. You're using it to frame shots and you want to see all the information that's on there. Well, because of that, it, it has like the crosshairs and the ISO and, and all that stuff, which makes it so you can't use it for streaming. Well, this program takes all that out <laughs> and it lets you, basically gives you a clean stream, a video stream, and it also lets you do some little things as far as autofocus and, you know, color changes and things like that. And so it's, while it might seem expensive, it is less, like if, if you already have a DSLR, it's less than buying a nice, you know, like Logitech webcam or even another camera that might be specifically for online streaming, you know, so it kind of saves you there. And the cool thing about using a DSLR is if you have lenses or things like that, you can, 
you know, basically set it up, use your lenses and it just will look really nice. Um, I constantly get comments on how good my video feed looks. Um, even though I don't use it a whole lot, <laughs> but that's all this little can this little, you know, piece of software makes it possible to do that. And then another thing is YouTube studios. That's the last one I'm going to list. And when I've been doing the streaming and video stuff, like that's all through YouTube. And I mentioned that I don't feel super comfortable paying or using Google products anymore because I'm, I'm worried they're always going to disappear, but it feels like YouTube is pretty, you know, pretty set and going to be here for a while, but there's a lot of cool, useful stuff in YouTube studio. As far as basically just being a backup for video, if you want, I found that streaming, like just going live has reduced some of the obstacles I had as far as creating video and doing things I wanted to do to have more content that was, you know, video content. So it's made it really easy to do that. There's also a ton of music in YouTube studio that if you go to their music selection, they've got like a lot of different license schemes and I, you can download it. So then you can use it, um, in Streamlabs, which is the last, I keep saying this is the last one I'm going to say, but for video, Streamlabs is the thing I've been using to stream. And you can basically point it at a folder full of this, you know, license-free music, and you can use that for your backgrounds and whatnot while you're, while you're streaming. So Streamlabs will basically make it very painless for you to stream from your laptop or PC or whatever. And it works on both Mac and PC. It the way it the way it works basically is they they will broadcast for free to YouTube. You have to log in with your YouTube account, and that you know if you're not comfortable with that, there's it's actually kind of a front end for an an open source program called OBS Open Broadcast System. I think is what what that stands for. And OBS does pretty much the same things. It's just a little more difficult to set it up. Like you have to get some information from, from YouTube, enter it into your OBS program, and then it uses that token to, you know, start your streams and whatnot. Whereas Streamlabs just does it. They make their money by trying, they sell themes and whatnot for people that are doing live streams. And if you want to use that stuff, you can, you don't have to. If you wanted to add Facebook so that you were streaming to both YouTube and Facebook live at the same time, it will do that, but it's, I want to, the last time I looked at it, it was $12 a month and they had some different promotions to bring that down. But at least for me, I don't need to do that. <laughs> I will stream to YouTube and then I just put a link on Facebook saying, Hey, I'm on YouTube. And most people, most users on Facebook are pretty happy to do that. In fact, I find that Facebook live, my personal experience is that if I don't expect somebody to be live, like that's not why I'm on Facebook. I'm not there to watch video. In fact, I don't want sound on Facebook. Whereas YouTube, I go there specifically to hear things with sound or even sometimes I'll just let something play and not watch the video if I'm, if I want to listen to that content. But it really bugs me when a website wants to play sound <laughs> and I didn't want it to. So, so I don't see myself using Facebook live anytime soon. I know other people do different things with that. So that is, I think, all the software that I'm using right now as I list everything out. There's some other stuff, like I use Calibre for, or Calibre, I'm not sure how you're supposed to pronounce it. I think it's Calibre, that's how I would pronounce it, um, which is an open source ebook organization program that I use a lot. And it's also really good at converting ebooks and kind of, if you've got an ebook that you want to pull out and make a, like a Word document or something like that, it will do that. I've also used LibreOffice 
to do that because it has a lot of legacy ebook translation uh, algorithms that are good. And LibreOffice is the new kind of the updated version of OpenOffice that is an open source version of of Microsoft Office. <laughs> but you can Google those. I'll I'll link them as well in the show notes. And I am also a sporadic user of Dragon, naturally speaking, but I don't use it in any significant way, so I'm not going to talk about it a lot because I'm, I'm certainly not a resource for that. So I, I attempt to use it. And then devices. So right now I'm using, I do most of my writing on my gaming PC, actually, which is just a, a Ryzen 5. Um, I think I've got a like a 1070 GPU in it. And I did splurge last year on a nice, an LG widescreen. I think it's like, it's almost 36 inches across, but it's a, it's a computer monitor. And that's, it's been really nice to have, to be able to put things side by side when I'm editing and stuff like that. And then if I have a mechanical keyboard that I use, which that's a whole rabbit hole to go down. But I, the thing that I spent a lot of time on when I was building my office was the ergonomics of this PC. And so on eBay, if you kind of watch, you can find a lot of ergonomic office equipment for pretty cheap because, you know, places go out of business and they're just liquidating it or whatever. And so I've got a really nice adjustable under, under desk shelf for my keyboard and then some different ergonomic things like a wrist pad and, and, uh, and stuff like that. Also a, a wrist pad for the mouse that makes it really comfortable to sit because one of the things since I've been streaming is I'm I'm sitting a lot more than I used to. I actually would stand and write before I started doing this. And I've just found with the streaming, I seem to, once I start sitting in the morning, I it seems like I'm set. I just start sitting more. So <laughs> the ergonomics have been have been really good. Um, this PC is pretty much handled. It, it's like four years old at this point, but it does everything I need it to do for... It's got 32 gigs of RAM, which is more than enough for Photoshop. And that Ryzen... Uh, CPU, like it does everything I want. Like every time I think about upgrading, it's kind of like, why, why do that? But as you'll see, I kind of have more PCs than I need anyway. So I have a, I have a walking treadmill in my office, which I like, and I built a standing desk for that. And I have a, a Mac mini that's there. And the reason I have the Mac mini is for Vellum, which you'll notice I didn't list Vellum among my software I'm using a lot right now. And that's because I'm just not doing a lot of my own publishing and Vellum would not like with the workbook that I just put together, the formatting was really complicated and Vellum didn't want to deal with it. So I ended up just doing that as a word document actually and uploading it to, to Amazon. Um, so the, the Mac mini lives on the standing desk with the walking treadmill and, and it's there if I wanted to use Vellum. So I got, I picked that up on eBay, which it was a off lease. Uh, I don't know what, it, like some office that had Mac, you know, Mac minis, which I don't know who does that, but I got a good deal on it. So, you know, with any of this stuff, if you're not in a hurry and you watch eBay and you search by, you know, off lease or refurbished or, you know, it just don't be in a hurry and you'll, you'll find some good deals on it. And then the other thing, so I, the laptop I use most of the time in the house is a ThinkPad T420. And these are starting to get a little bit old. It's it's getting more and more difficult to recommend them. But this was the last ThinkPad. I think it came out in 2012. And it has a... The, key, the keyboard is just really solid. I really... It's a very comfortable 
laptop to use. It's got a an, like a dual core i5 in it, I think, with 12 gigs of RAM, and it'll run Windows 10 just fine. I use Linux Mint on it because it's just really fast, and so it is pretty easy just to you know close the laptop when I'm done with it, open it up, it starts right up again, connects to Wi-Fi really quickly. In fact, even the new Acer that I had gotten, it took like a good minute to connect to Wi-Fi, which was bugging me because it was newer than the old laptop I was using. But the thing that's just super nice about it is the keyboard. It's just a really comfortable to type on. My fingers don't get tired when I'm using it. I noticed with the Acer, it had a much flatter body and less travel on the keys. And so my, my hands actually got tired when I was typing on it because I felt, I think there was just more pressure on my fingers when I was typing quickly. And the ThinkPad doesn't have that. And they're, they're known for that. Obviously it's, it's heavier. It's like a, a four pound laptop compared to some of these other ones you might pick up, but it's getting to the point, like you used to be able to find these for just dirt cheap on eBay. And they're actually becoming a little more like they're, they're turning into that sort of collector's area where they're just, they're not off lease. Like people aren't getting rid of them, you know, by the pallet. So they're not as cheap as they used to be. Um, I actually have two of them because you could, you could pick them up for like $50, you know, on eBay. And so I've reached that point where (laughs) I, I don't need two of them because it's lasted, you know, I think I've had this laptop at this point for four years and nothing that's, I haven't found anything better yet. So I don't know. I put a solid state drive in it. I upgraded the Ram. The main downside is the battery. I've had to like, I'm to the point where I've been just buying, buying batteries off Amazon and it's like 30 bucks for a new battery. They seem to last me about a little less than a year and it's time for a new battery. So, you know, I guess that's, that's not too bad, but I typically use that in the mornings or if I'm doing stuff around the house with my daughter it's, I think it's really good to have just a junker laptop like that, especially when you have little kids, because if she was like if I'm at the dining room table and she was to dump a glass of water in it or something like it's not the end of the world. So, but I can grab like a little 300 word sprint, you know, I can check email. I can do, I can do that kind of stuff. Like it'll do all the things I need to do. And that's, you know, in fact, I'm, I sort of, felt relieved when the Acer wasn't working like I wanted it to, because it's one of those purchases where you're like, yeah, this is cool, but it's not a significant upgrade over what I had before. And just going back to the ThinkPad was like, okay, (laughs) this is good. Um, other things I have, uh, I have a free write traveler, which I picked up from the Kickstarter. And if you're not familiar with, with free writes, go to, um, you know, if you just Google free write, they, they make a couple different products that are meant to be distraction-free writing tools. And the free write is kind of a little clamshell. It's, it's about five inches by 11 inches. And I've actually been using it quite a bit when I take my daughter out for, like she will only sleep during the day when we take her out for a drive in the car. <laughs> so I will take her out and drive until she falls asleep. I'll park somewhere. And then I use the free write to get some words in while she's sleeping. And it's been, it's been good for that. I, it, I would not justify the current price. If that's what you're thinking of, there are definitely less expensive options, but this was the thing that works. And the free ride is actually really cool. Like if I didn't have the, the ThinkPad and I wanted something that I was just grabbing words on during the day, it's actually a really nice product where it just, you open it up, 
it, you get a cursor and you can start writing and it automatically syncs to uh, either Google Drive or Dropbox and or they have they have a backup solution or it's got like a, a one key you can send whatever you're working on to your email and that's like the killer app I think so basically you can save like different versions of something and it also you can set like you know saving it to folders and whatnot in Google Drive or, or Dropbox um, I mean, it, it's a cool product. And I think if you were to compare it to other specialty tools that like a mechanic might have that, you know, saves you time, if you're valuing your time, that's where it really makes sense to get a free ride traveler. But I bought it when I had a lot more disposable income. So, um, but I, but I have been using it. it. It is good for the purpose I've had. I just think in that same scenario, you could probably have a Bluetooth keyboard that would fit in your lap and, you know, send words to your phone and that would accomplish the same purpose, you know. So, but I've been using it. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about that I'm, I've really been enjoying this year is an Onyx Books Nova 2. And so Onyx, like the color Onyx or the stone, Books, B-O-O-X. And I've got the Nova 2. They're actually already out with the Nova 3. And what this is is a, uh, what is the actual, it's an A4 size e-ink tablet that runs Android 9. And the cool thing about this this thing is that um, it will basically read any ebook you throw at it. And I like to format what I'm working on as an EPUB or, you know, whatever. I can send it to OneDrive. And because it's an Android device, I've got OneDrive on it, I can just open it up right in it and and be able to read it. It's really increased my reading. Like I've found that I have I have a huge collection of ebooks that there was always kind of a gap between what was on Amazon or even Kindle Unlimited. And I really am for the most part only read things on Kindle Unlimited when I'm doing research for, you know, books and things like that. So that's what I was using my Kindle for. This has opened up like you can use library apps, you can use like all the stuff that you can't put on a Kindle works on this. And they, they're a little pricey. Like it was, I think it was three thirty when I bought it, but you can basically just write on it as a notepad. Um, it's just a really cool device. Like you can, you can also just use it. You can draft on it. You know, it's, it's got Bluetooth. Um, it's got, uh, a USB C connector. So that means you can copy files over to it if you want to. And they have a couple different like upgrades to it now, like depending on what you want it to do. Like this one is really aimed at being an e-reader, but they have um, a couple other devices that are a little more like tablets. Like I would not call this a tablet because if, if you're going to be just something to be surfing the, you know, browsing and whatnot, like it's not great for that, but it's really good for reading. And if you had a workflow where you were say saving websites to OneDrive or something and opening up on this for, distraction-free reading, it would be really good for that. But it's really kind of like, quite honestly, I'm a person who, like I study Amazon, I study the Kindle, all the different versions of the Kindle, how the Kindle store works, but I did not read, I did not read a lot. <laughs> like I would actually, if I was going to read a book that was in Kindle, uh, on the Kindle store, I mean, I would often buy it as a paperback and then read it. And this has helped me transition over <laughs> And the other killer app is that it comes with a stylus and you can, using their native app to read in an ebook, you can make notes on it. So you can write all over it. You can, you know, highlight words that are interesting to you. And that's been a big thing to me. Like I find I don't go, 
back and look at the notes necessarily, but it's enjoyable to do that while I'm reading. And I think it helps me focus a lot more while I'm reading. And the screen is really responsive. It, it works really well. So I've been, I've been really happy with that. And it's just another kind of backup writing device as well with a Bluetooth keyboard. It works really well with that. Um, the other good thing that I've been using this year is a Kindle Fire 8 Plus that I, I picked up like refurbished. I think it ended up being about 50 bucks. But that thing is the best 8-inch tablet I've yet had. Like I think Amazon has pretty much perfected that thing. Um, <laughs> I, I picked up like a kid-safe cover for it and a tempered glass screen protector. And it's pretty much bulletproof. Like my daughter is now old enough that she's figured it out and she wants to play with it to do like drawing programs and whatnot. And I feel very comfortable having her use that. But when it comes to, you know, I use it for all the things as far as like getting a sense of the Kindle experience and what that looks like for the readers, but it's also just really useful as a tablet. And so that's been something I use as well. Um, for an e-ink Kindle, I have a Kindle Voyager, which is actually getting pretty old at this point, but the reason I got that was it's got the, um, the 3G connectivity so it can supposedly until Amazon shuts that off, I guess, like Google shuts things off. Um, <laughs> you can download, like if you don't have Wi-Fi, you can still get hold of books. And then the other, the other device or gadget that I use is my Canon M50, which if you were looking at an all around camera, both for taking f- for photography and streaming, the M50 is a, it's a mirrorless, it's a small format camera. I would say it was a good option if that's all you want to do with it. But unfortunately, Canon has not really supported the, um, the M series lenses very well. And so if you want to do other things like that would use other lenses, I would probably recommend going with like a refurbished version of one of their large format cameras, like a, an ADD at this point, which like ADD number 80 and the letter D is in Delta. <laughs> That's how Canon, um, names their cameras. But cause you can pick those up refurbished, like just the body on eBay for pretty cheap and then buy the lenses from Canon. But for the most part, I've got a, a 22 millimeter, uh, prime lens that I use on this camera that I picked up for, I, I want to say that was probably about 150 bucks to $200. And the camera itself, I got refurbished and I think it was 600 but this is the only thing that I've used and it's been it like everything I wanted it to be. So I'm not afraid to spend money on stuff when it does what I want it to do. <laughs> I always feel kind of dumb if I spend money on something and then it doesn't do what I wanted or it just makes me want to spend more money. That always really bugs me. But this can't, this camera has been like really, I mean, it takes lovely photos of my toddler and, and everything else. And with an adapter, I was able to use my other Canon lenses that I had from another camera. So that at least opened up the other lenses that I already had. But as far as a video product and it works beautifully. Now, I also did not have the greatest phone. And so part of my concession to pick up this camera was that I had not spent, you know, $600 on a phone. <laughs> like I currently have a phone that I think it, it costs like $40, <laughs> but I don't care because it works and I tend to be like pretty destructive on phones. So I would rather invest in the camera because it can do other things for me. And then I'll just keep, you know, going through cheap phones. I don't really care about that as long as they do what I want. 
And I also have a Logitech, uh, I think the nomenclature is C90, and they, they've gotten better at this point, but it's just a 1080p webcam. But these are what most YouTubers use, and it's um, it also works very well. Like when I do the dual camera stuff on YouTube, I use the, the M50 and the Logitech and using Streamlabs, and it's painless. Works very. It's very easy to set up, and then... I don't waste any time messing around with things when I'm getting ready to stream. I basically just, all I have to do is think about what I want to stream, start it up and, and go. And those two cameras work very well. The Logitech is, you know, if you watch for deals on it, I think the regular price is something like a hundred bucks, but I got this one for 60 just watching, you know, Best Buy will put them on sale like every 90 days or so. There was a period when the pandemic first started, you know, that, it was kind of hard to find them, but I think we're getting through that phase. So, um, so you can find them out there. And I think that's all the gadgets. That's a lot of gadgets. Um, and I've been talking for a lot longer than I expected to. So it's already 1030 tonight and I need to get in and get to sleep so that I can uh, get up and, and do some more work in the morning. What do I want to do for next week? I want to, I want to keep just plugging away at these words you know, it just occurred to me that I talked about doing Instagram stuff or something last week, and I'm not going to get any of that done. Um, right now, I'm basically just in drafting mode, and that's where my mind is all the time. So I probably will barely even get any email out because uh, I have nothing to promote. We are doing really well. So Galactic Law, we did a box set and ran it at $0.99 cents for about two weeks, and now it's really hung in the store. So, So that's been great. I'm really hoping that some of my concerns about, you know, drops in royalties last month will uh, have picked up a little bit going forward. And also the release of A Fire Upon the Worlds is going to help with my, my AN14 books. So, so yeah, it's going to be pretty lean going, like, for the next, I want to say, until June, but then the end of the year should look much better. At least I hope so. So yeah, so as far as goals for next week, it's basically just, I want to be at 60,000 words at the end of next week. And I, I'm pretty sure I can be there. I mean, actually my goal was to be done with this book on the 18th. I'm not quite, quite sure that I will get there, but if I, if I can pick the word counts back up, I will be very, very close. It's always easier at the end of the book. And then my concern is rolling into book three in this series. Like I got to maintain the momentum and just, and just keep on writing. So so, okay. I hope this was helpful and I might be a little bit slow getting the notes up, but I will add everything in there. And if you got any questions, just shoot me an email at james at jamesaron.net or, um, hit me up on Facebook or something. So if, uh, if anything was not clear or there's something that you, um, I don't know, have questions about, I would be happy to answer. These are the gadgets and I probably use too many of them. I think a lot of times I could do this job with just a laptop but I do find certain things make it easier. The PC makes it much easier when I'm not waiting for Photoshop to do things or to crash, you know, it doesn't crash or any, any stuff like that. So, so yeah, right now things are working pretty well. So, all right. Thank you very much for listening and I'm going to get some sleep. I will, uh, I'll talk to you next time. All right. Later. Mm-hmm.